You're listening to episode 40 of Daughters on Fire with your host Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of trust. And you might be thinking, well, we've gone there before. We understand how we really need to trust those providers that are taking care of our loved one. But there's a twist to this. We're going to be talking about how those providers need to trust you. In that in relationship building, trust goes both ways. So we need to be mindful of how we are showing up and building that trust, not just our trust in others, but we are helping build trust for them and us. So stay tuned as we dive in to Trust Goes Both Ways. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. Welcome back. Today, Robin and I are going to talk about trust. Now, we have for, I guess, most of our episodes up till now, talked about the importance of advocacy, not people-pleasing, but really making sure you're getting the best care for your loved one and that you trust the care that your loved one's receiving and you're building re- uh, relationships with those those different providers, whether it's facility providers, whether it's medical providers, the doctors, the nurses, the facilities, you have to build relationships. And one of the things we haven't talked about that I think is a very huge component is trust goes both ways. So not only do we need to trust those people providing the care, but they need to trust us too. And how many times Robin, have you had a situation as a professional where the people that you were helping out felt like they, you felt like they didn't trust you? What was that like for you? And how does it kind of sabotage the care that's being provided? Well, and and I think it, it happens a lot and people, because we're not sure of what we're getting into as a professional, it, it, it's probably more anger causing and frustrating. But as an individual, as you go in, folks are a little bit shy to say what they want and what they need. And I do remember because I am a micromanager and I walked in to my mom's facility. It was the rehab facility, not where she was long-term. And I questioned everything the nurse told me. And I remember the nurse turning around and saying to me, we have to develop a trust. Now, she was right. And I did have to do that. I I was not there. This was, I think the second day my mom was in there. So I didn't know them. I had developed that trust with the long-term facility, but not these folks. But I know it's probably frustrating for her because I'm coming in telling, trying to tell her how to do her job, but yet she had to trust that I knew my mom and I knew what my mom could and could not do. And I think that's where it falls down a lot as caregivers. Matter of fact, I just had somebody I talked to the other day and she said they took mom off this medicine because she was too sleepy in the morning. And she said, but that's not new. Mom was always sleepy in the morning. It always took her a while to rally around. And I 
certainly advised her, go back in and talk to them because you know your mom. They've only seen her for a couple of weeks. I mean, she was in a rehab, so maybe at the most four weeks. They didn't know what was going on. So we do have to trust them, but they have to trust us too, that we know what we're talking about because nobody knows your loved one like you do. Right. But in order for you to be heard, you had to hear them as well. You had to respect where they were coming from. And it can be true that one of these two components are broken, right? (laughs) That one of these two, um, whether it's the professional or whether it's the caregiver, is not a a good, what am I trying to say? They they aren't acting in the best interest. And so you, you have to be aware of that situation, both as a professional and as the caregiver. But when most of the time, both are acting and coming from a place of love and care and compassion, and they want the best for, for this individual. And if that's where you can start from, building that trust is going to really build a lot of synergy. So like you're saying, you went in and you were questioning in the beginning, but you also know your mom. So once the nurse allowed you to say what you needed to say, but that she was saying, hey, I'm the nurse. I also know nursing really well, and I know the diagnosis really well. So working together to build trust made it the best case scenario for your mom. If somebody is constantly questioning, I think it's also how we see the world. If if our instinct is to see the world as a threat, then we're going to be cautious of everybody. If our instinct is to believe that people put the, do the best and put the best out there, we're going to be more trusting in that role. Right. I agree. And I think it is a little bit harder in these situations because so many people don't know don't know what to look for, don't know what to trust. Either we trust so much that maybe we overlook something or we don't trust enough and we're questioning everything. So we break down that communication and that relationship. So it's goes with everything else. It's that, that middle ground that we need to test it and find out. And we're not saying don't, don't go and ask questions because you're educating yourself. Maybe it's the way that you ask the questions the way that you relay your thoughts and feelings is maybe a little more gentle that you all can come to a middle ground because as you said, Melissa, the bottom, the goal here is for the best care for your loved one. So you don't want to burn bridges as you go. Yeah. And I like how you're saying how you're asking questions makes all the difference. If you're being kind of like accusatory, why are you doing this tone that's a lot different than, hey, I don't know this role as well as you do. Explain to me what you're doing so I can better understand. And even if you do feel a little suspicious of the situation, you're going to gain a lot more information if you are educate me on what's going on here, right? It, 100%. Because you, can, you can start because they're not in defensive mode and they're not in, I'm going to say very little and I'm going to try to protect myself mode. They're telling you, they're coming to you in an open spirit. Absolutely. And I think that's true for all relationships, not just these relationships. Right. And, and these relationships typically are loaded because you have probably just gone through some medical emergency. You probably have 
experience something that again, back to, we don't know. So everything is touch and go and emotions are high. And so if you can take that step back and that deep breath and go at it from that place, I think it benefits everybody. And one other thing, um, that just popped into my head. When I talk to families about bringing in non-medical companies, I think it's the same thing that here you have as an example, a, a person who has now hired this company, they don't know them and they bring them into their home. So they're trusting to bring basically a stranger into their home. Now this stranger has been vetted and such, but somebody they have no idea who may have totally different lifestyle, walk of life, everything coming into your home. And they tend to be a little nervous and upset about it. But I always want to say to that care to the people that they're hiring, think about the caregiver as well. This caregiver is walking up to your house. She knows nothing about you. She doesn't know if you have pets, if if she's afraid of pets. She doesn't know your routine. She doesn't know your son that has just walked in and you've never he, she's never seen him before and he's a big guy and maybe that unnerves her. So that is also a part of building trust. And so many people will say, "Oh, non-medical caregiving didn't work for me because I just didn't like it." Well, you can't tell that after one visit and maybe not even after two, because it is a time of building trust. And then I see at the end of those journeys, when you do have a a trust between the caregiver, the care company and your loved one, it's beautiful. And they, so many people in the end say, oh, they were just like family, but that trust didn't come from that first day they walked in the door. So it is just a little bit of working together, trying to figure it out, forgiving each other, and moving forward, not to say that that's safety. You you have to, if something doesn't work, you do have to step up. But what I'm saying is give it a bit of time because trust takes time to develop. Yes. So interestingly, there's this book out there by an author I love, Malcolm Gladwell, called Talking to Strangers. And he looks at everything from it's a nonfiction book and he looks at, at interactions as just kind of a scientific analysis and how things play out. And one of the, one of the things in this book that he tries to portray is that we think how we project ourselves is really obvious. We think that how we show up, Oh, we're happy or we're this or that, or what we're feeling is very obvious to the outside world. And yet what we're really bad at assuming we know what other people are thinking. So it's what you're saying. It's that like, we think we're obvious and we think we know what other people are thinking, but the fact of the matter is that's not true at all. That it's a, it's a mystery. We are all very mysterious to one another. We are all strangers to one another until we get to know each other. And that's the beauty of, of building trust. It's, Look at what are your preconceived ideas going into a facility, going into a medical appointment, going into a crisis and an ER. What are your preconceived ideas? And realize that you're not necessarily going to meet those ideas. You're going to meet individuals that you don't know, that you need to start to get to know. So instead of going in with preconceived ideas, maybe go in with 
goals and objectives. I want the best care for mom instead of, oh, the medical maze is is a nightmare. Nobody's going to be listening to me. Or doctors always act like they know best. I can't trust the doctors. They never listen to me. Or um, caregivers, they don't know as much as me. I'm so much smarter than them. Instead of going into those preconceived ideas, go in with the goal of, I want the best care for mom. We're in a crisis. We need to get to the, you know, the, the heart of the matter. We need to make sure everybody's on the same plate and go with it from there. So something I was just thinking about while you were talking about that, what do you think that looks like? Because we've talked in the past about how sometimes our loved ones might get closer to the caregiver, the, the paid caregiver, and then they defer to them and they have more information. And we've talked about how you yourself go into that situation. And it could even be a sibling. It doesn't even have to be that paid caregiver. And you feel left out. You feel jealous. And and you've talked about that in the past, Melissa. And I can see that as maybe subconsciously withholding information or trust because you don't want to fully let go of that relationship. So if you totally trust this woman and you're turning all the care over to her and the responsibility of your loved one over to her, where does that put you? And I think that looks like the world, like you said, how do you look at the world? Is that how Mm -hmm. you look at caregiving? Yes. And it's also, are you feeding your own needs or are you feeding the needs of your loved one? And I would say if you're struggling with your sense of love and belonging or your sense of self-esteem and you're sacrificing the best care for your loved one, if you're a little jealous of the fact, even, I mean, I get it. I've worked with individuals whose husbands have gone into facilities and and they bond with the caregivers, not in like a romantic way, but just in a connection way. And, and the spouse is like, oh my goodness, the, they're receiving love and nurturing from somebody and it's not me. And that feels very strange that I couldn't be the one that takes care of them the best in this world. And that is very, very hard. And like you're saying in that role, transition with aging is that somebody else might be able to give your loved one what they need and your ego needs to take a step back and allow that to happen. And so where can you work through that? In counseling. Absolutely. (laughs) Because that's hard and you're, and it's painful and you deserve to feel those feelings, but also process them in a way, in a healthy way that they're not going to get in the way. That they are, and that you're going to grow from that, and you're going to realize that um, that your worth as a daughter, your worth as a human being, is not tied to how much you can give your loved one, and that actually, when you step back and allow somebody else to come in, you're giving them more. But that's so hard. It's so hard to work through all that. Well, and ultimately, that ends up being you as the caregiver trusting your loved one as well. It's trusting that that love continues just because this person is now nurturing them for certain things they need doesn't mean that your loved one loves you any less. So that's a trust relationship there as well. Absolutely. And and we've talked about, you know, the dysfunctional family and how things go. So you're correct is sometimes the only way to work through that is counseling and working on yourself and look at it as this person is giving you a break to 
work on yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can have the better relationship with your loved one. And I love what you said, Robin, about you have to trust that your relationship is more than just this caregiving part of the, of the road. And that, I mean, if you're a child of this individual, you're their child. They grew you in their belly, right? Or, or a parent, you know, a dad, they were there the day you were born. They were, or they were there as you grew up and they formed you into the human being that you are today. That's not something that a caregiver role will ever take away. That's something that you have for eternity with that person, right? That's a bond that is much different. And and some of those bonds are a little dysfunctional and a little bit more traumatic. And so again, the nuances of that is that that relationship is not, is not a caregiver patient relationship. And so don't try to play it out in that realm as well. Right. So lots of things to think about, it is definitely layered and nuanced. So self-awareness and mindfulness are so important and allowing yourself the space to work through it is, is valuable. So that's kind of all I really wanted to touch on today is just give some food for thought. Any last parting thoughts from you, Robin? No, I just, I guess my thought is just be aware of what's going on. Be aware of everybody and and give it a chance don't don't jump to conclusions give it a chance and work it through and it will end up the best for everybody i love that i love that well said all right we will catch you all in our next episode we hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast if you find this podcast helpful please leave a review so we can reach more women like you You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.